Welcome to The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with a seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Step 3. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Swetha and I'll be your host today. Joining me today is co-host Spencer. How are you today, Spencer? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I'm even awake despite the time change. (laughs) I'm glad. Next to Spencer is co-host Kelly. How are you today, Kelly? I'm doing great, thanks. The first segment of today's recovery show episode will be our discussion of the topic of step three, which says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. And for today, the reading um, is from Courage to Change, and it uh, says that the third, steps talk, the third step talks about placing my will and my life in the care of a higher power. For me, this power is a presence that loves me as I am, that accepts me with compassion on bad days as well as good. Once I have accepted that destructive presence of another alcohol, another's alcoholism has affected my life, I need the benevolent influence of a power untouched by this disease. What I do in turning my will and my life is to become receptive to guidance. I will become willing to accept the power, the care of a power greater than myself. I think of this care as a source of love and support that surrounds me in my daily life. I do not need it to, I do not need to earn it or work for it. I only need to be receptive to it. I continue to have a will to exercise and a life to live, but I do so bathed in the light of love and understanding. Um, as I said, my name is Swetha, and, um, so I, Spencer, I kind of wanted to start with you here and ask you okay. what your impression, your first impression of step three was. Uh, well, my first impression of step three was um, that it was something that I didn't know how to do. I wasn't sure I could do um, because, uh, well, as, as we've said, it, as I've said in previous episodes, you know, I didn't have a concept of a higher power. I didn't have a concept of a God. Um, I was at best agnostic when I came into the program. Um, and uh, partly because of, of the sort of image of God that had been given to me by our society, that of an all-powerful creator mm-hmm. who could control everything, who knew everything. Uh, and, you know, that was not, not what I wanted. I, I, wanted, I wanted some self-will. I wanted some uh, ability to control my own life. And, uh, and so um, that just didn't work for me. And so the concept of, of turning my life and my will over to that particular God was very much not attractive to me. Uh, and so I really, really didn't know how I was going to get through that step three. And, and, you know, that was one of the things that really, I think, uh, kept me from coming to the program earlier was, was you know, all that God stuff. <laughs> Kelly? Yeah, I um, wanted to mention really quick to the listeners uh, something that we talked about before the podcast that um, I think we are all coming from a similar point of view in that I think all of the hosts today didn't really have a, um, a religious or spiritual background before coming to the program. So we're definitely interested to get some listener feedback on our website um, 
if you are coming from a different background than we are, I think that would be helpful to all of the listeners. So if you would like to submit that on our website, that'd be great. Um, but on, on my first impression, um, I kind of have to agree with Spencer. I mean, um, my first thought was, how how can I get around this step? <laughs> how can I keep going in the program without having to turn my will and my life over to someone else? You tried to find a softer, gentler way. I did, yes. <laughs> yeah, that sounded um, much better to me. Um, I, I think, you know, even at some point, I had a little bit of acceptance toward this step where I I could get around the idea of turning my uh, life over to a higher power, but still not my will. You know, it was a very, uh, gradual process for me, but initially it was terrifying. I mean, it's, I, I don't know if, I don't remember if we've done a complete episode on the topic of control or not, but that was definitely my resistance to this step when I first learned about it was that it, the way that I interpreted it initially was that I was going to have to let go of all control of everything in my life. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't see how it would be possible to continue to move forward by letting go of all that control. So it was pretty terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely felt the same way um, as you guys, uh, because of course I came from the same background of not really having a strong religious background in my own life. I, I grew up with a really religious family and I thought that it was ridiculous. I thought it was some arbitrary things that um, kind of had that idea that you had, Spencer, about God. Um, that, uh, for example, in Hindu, in the particular brand of Hinduism that my parents um, practice, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have to turn right nine times in circles, and only then will God grant you whatever. And I thought, that's just ridiculous. I mean, what kind of God is like looking down at all the people in the world and going, "What? wait, was that nine times? That looks like eight and a half, buddy. No, no wishes for you. <laughs> um, and I, I just thought it was terrible. I didn't like it at all. And um, when I looked at that step, I don't know that I was trying to get around it. I think I just kind of stopped at that. And I was like, mm, well, that's that. <laughs> I gave it a good go. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I didn't really want to, want to move forward from, uh, from step three. And I, I didn't, I could see rationally how step four wouldn't work unless step three was in place. But, um, I didn't think I could, I didn't think I could put it in place. Um, it was the control thing. Again, I just, so much, I felt at that time that so much stuff had happened to me that was out of my control and that was bad stuff that why would I want to be out of control again? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm out of control, it would be bad. And um, if I, and if I, and that, those cases, I wasn't really something I was willing to be out of control over. But then if I was willingly going to be out of control, what, what the heck? <laughs> Chaos. Chaos, yeah. lunacy. But um, how did, I would be interested in hearing how you guys came to finally get around your, I, I guess, aversion to it. Okay, well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit because um, one of the things that I have I, co- I have come to understand mm-hmm. um, is that my willingness uh, to turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power and and for me the word care is very important there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually that, focusing on the word care was one of the ways that I got 
past my initial resistance to the step was saying, okay, I'm not really turning over my, my will. I'm mm-hmm. turning over, I'm turning it over to the care of, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that, that, um, you know, God will give me guidance, mm-hmm. uh, and I can choose to follow that or not. Uh, and, and then, you know, what I found was as, if if I followed the guidance that I felt I was getting from my higher power, things generally worked out better than if I mm-hmm. um, you know, followed my own thinking. Because as as we so often say, you know, it was my own thinking that got me here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it really wasn't working out so well yeah. in many ways. Right. Uh, and 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 you know, hearing that sort of thing in a meeting, uh, you know, it was my own thinking that got me here. It was my own will that got me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my life was not. Uh, my life was not good when I came in the door and, and recognizing that, that by trying to exert myself, well, I had brought myself to the position that I was in the position of surrender, um, really, you know, helped, uh, helped me to see that, that there could be a better way, uh, and that that better way might be, um, uh, giving up a little bit of my, my self will, um, and, what was really important, what is really important to me now is the recognition that my higher power loves me and wants what's best for me. And as I said, the concept of a God that I had at the beginning did not include that. Mm. You know, I had the, the, the concept that, that I understood uh, of, of God was this judgmental mm-hmm. God who would punish you for, you know, the slightest transgression and you would burn in hell forever or whatever. <clears throat> and, you know, that's not somebody I'm going to turn myself over to. Yeah. Jeez. Um, something that I recognized much later that I, I, I did, obviously I did, but I didn't really recognize it until much later when I was uh, talking to a, a sponsee who was having some difficulty with step three. Uh, we were actually in the middle of working step four, uh, and the, this question came up in our discussion, and I said, well, you know, um, you really have taken step three in turning your will and your life over to a higher power by virtue of the fact that you are working this program, that, that you believe that following the concepts and the precepts and the principles of this program will bring you to a better place in your life. And, and you've seen that happening. And that's why you're willing to sit here with me and talk about um, your inner secrets, your, your character defects. Uh, if you had not accepted that you needed to to you know give up a little bit of your control uh, you wouldn't be here mm-hmm. and and i recognized that that obviously was true for me much you know earlier in my program uh, although i hadn't seen it and i nobody i, I didn't have anybody to point it out to me then mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. kelly um i think for me Part of it was just recognizing that I had to, I had to, to have an honest completion of step two. You know, I had to really honestly believe in a higher power first <laughs> before I could give anything to it. Um, and for me, I, I don't know why this sticks in my head, but I, I remember driving to work, um, early one morning and, you know, I was kind of driving into the sunrise and I could, could see it coming up. And for some reason, even though I've probably done that a million times, it really struck me particularly that day that, uh, the sun was rising, 
without any um and without anything that I had done to make that happen, you know, it, it was coming up regardless of what I did. And so, you know, to me, I know that that's kind of a step to, um, concern, but, um, but, but, you know, getting over that hump that I was in control of everything that happened to me. Um, so, so that was kind of the first part of my acceptance of step three. And, and also I think for me, part of it too was sitting in meetings long enough to hear people share about, about step three, but also about just daily life sorts of things in which step three was successfully happening to them in a way that they were happy about. <laughs> Because I had always thought about step three as being a negative thing. And so when I could sit in meetings and hear people share their experience about a time when they had let go of their will and trusted the process and things worked out, maybe not the way that they wanted initially, but in the way that was probably best or Mm -hmm. the way that they were supposed to, Mm -hmm. that allowed me to trust the process a little bit too. If I could see it working in other people, then... I could maybe think that it could happen for me too. What about you? Uh, I think I really relate to what you were just saying there. I definitely did not. I mean, I think I was, even when I was trying to work step three, I think I still had um, a really strong opinion that I would be the first person ever that Al-Anon didn't work for and the steps (laughs) didn't work for no matter what I did. And I, I think I... I, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I vaguely remember kind of doing step three to be a little bit almost out of uh, spite. <laughs> I was like, well, fine, I'll do it, but it's not going to work, but I'll do it. Fine. <laughs> and then you guys will see that it doesn't work for me. Um, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> Let me preface this with that. I was wrong. Um, and I would do it with really, really small things, just really tiny things, because, I mean, I wasn't just going to go from nothing to I'm going to trust everything ever over to this higher power that I'm not sure I really trust. Right. Um, and it would, it would be little things like, um, I, I write code at work and if one day I was really stressed out that I wasn't able to get some code to work. And I was thinking, this is always where my mind goes. If I don't get this one thing to happen, I'm going to get fired and I'm going to be homeless and my dog and I are going to be out on the street and we're going to be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> crying (laughs) immediately where everything goes and so as usual my mind was going there and then I was just like okay you know what if this code doesn't work by the end of the day it doesn't work I have to leave here shortly and go walk my dog and go to a meeting so I'll give it 10 minutes and whatever happens happens and it wasn't necessarily that I was saying whatever God wants for me I was I think I was turning my life and will over but I hadn't quite turned it over to my higher power yet Mm. um and that happened and I still have the end of that story was I didn't have uh I didn't get fired and I still have a home and my dog and I aren't in tears but did it work <laughs> it did work I was just that one like the next day I came in my boss wasn't like Swetha it's it's over get out just get out and don't ever come back and uh just that small thing made me feel a little bit better and realized that it's okay that I don't have to be in control of everything and then I started doing slightly bigger and bigger and bigger things mm-hmm. um you know and that reminds me of uh one of my favorite writers on, on spiritual topics is Anne Lamott. I've mentioned her before. And 
in one of her books, and I think it might be Plan B, but I'm really not positive. Um, she talks about a friend of hers who has basically two prayers. In the morning, she gets up and she prays, whatever. <laughs> Which means, you know, thy will be done, not mine, <laughs> right? Um, I will take what comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the evening, she prays, oh, well. <laughs> Which is the acceptance prayer, right? You know what happened happened, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and the, and it's put a little humorously. It's put a little bit, maybe negatively, but uh, I really like that. It really boils it down to the essence. Whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know. My wife had a um, Orthodox Jewish guy uh, who had been ordained as a rabbi or whatever is the equivalent in uh, in the, in in the Jewish faith at. Uh, and he was from Lithuania via Israel, uh, and he was her accountant. Um, and uh, he said, whatever is the most orthodox of Jewish prayer. Uh, and, and again, I don't think they, oh. they say it in that way, but you know, <laughs> the, the sense of it. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, I can go with that. I, can, I, could, I could pray whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the words like, thy will be done... Mm-hmm. They stick in my my throat they, they, you know, <laughs> because they have the feel to me of the organized religion that I rejected. Mm. Uh, but the sense of it, the sense of it is is really good. And I wanted to maybe talk a little bit about the practical ways in which I use step three in my life. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes, rarely, mm-hmm. uh, I I hear this you know, still small voice in my head. Um, and, and I do remember uh, one incident that happened, I think it was basically at the time that with my AWOL group, we were, we were talking about steps, step two or step three. It was, it was in, I think it was in the step three uh, phase. And we had, when, when we got married, my wife and I got married, we, we bought these really cool sort of hippie wedding rings that had gold with opal inlay and they were pretty and colorful and and opal is a really soft jewel uh it's not good if it gets wet and dry and wet and dry and you you know if it, if you accidentally wear it when you're washing the dishes that's really not good for it and so the opals would fall out and then we would take them to a jeweler and we'd get new opals inlaid and they'd last for a few more years but basically the the rings were not well, as a symbol of something that's supposed to be forever, they were not very forever, <laughs> <laughs> and and they weren't they they weren't as pretty as they were when we first bought them. That you know the, the sort of repeated repairs had not been good for them, and so uh, my wife wanted to go shopping for new wedding bands, and uh, so we went to a local high end jeweler because you want to start at the high end, right, <laughs> uh, and then work your way down. And, and she found a ring she really liked and I was like gagging over the price. Uh, it was, it was more than I wanted to spend on a ring. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. And, and of course I expressed that to her, not having have a, had a lot of program yet. I said, oh my God, that's so expensive. We couldn't buy that or something to that effect, mm-hmm. uh, which didn't get a good response as you might <laughs> imagine uh, from her. And that we sort of left it there. And it might have been a couple days later, I was just walking down the street and this little voice in my head said, this is really important to her. Mm-hmm. You should do it. 
Okay, so that wasn't me. <clears throat> that was very clearly not me. Um, and so the, 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 the end of the story is we went to a different jeweler, found a very similar ring for less than half the price. Oh. Uh, and so we both got what we needed. And, uh, you know, she got the ring she wanted, and I got the price that I was willing to live with. Mm. I mean, I was willing to live with the, with the higher price because I had gotten that, that word from my higher power that this, is, this was something I needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but more often, more often, when I need the guidance of my higher power, I need to reach out. Mm -hmm. I need to go to a meeting. I need to call someone. I need to get out of my own head. Because what my own head is where my will is. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if I call one of you or somebody in the, somebody else in the program and say, you know, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? Uh, have you had a similar situation in your life? How did you deal with it? And I will hear something that works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe I have to call a few people. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you haven't actually had that experience or... Um, you know, maybe I don't like what you say and I call somebody else and they say the same thing and I'm like, oh, okay. No. <laughs> um, I remember one of my sponsees calling me once with a question and I said, well, this is what I think. And he said, damn, that's what my other sponsor said too. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, there's your higher power talking to you. <laughs> um, Kelly, what about you? How do you, how did you use or how do you use um, uh, the third step in your life today? Well, I think definitely like Spencer said, I, I have to, I have to listen for it. Mm -hmm. And usually I hear it through, like he said, either in a meeting or, uh, when I call someone else. Um, and like he said, it's, it's, I can't trust my own thinking sometimes, you know, when I'm stuck, when I'm frustrated, when I'm fearful, the first thoughts that come to my head are not, you know, let go and let God trust your higher power. You know, that's not, that's not my, that's yet. That's not my default reaction yet. I'm hoping to get there someday, but, uh, yeah. So I really have to trust what other people are saying. Um, I, I really have to utilize the pause button. Um, sometimes it comes in the form of, um, you know, prayer or meditation, um, in terms of the pause button and reaching out to my higher power. Um, last night I had kind of a frustrating incident. Um, I needed something that was not in my possession. Um, it was with my husband who was not at home and, um, I needed it within some time constraints and I was getting really antsy because he was already uh, away from home doing something. And instead of, you know, sitting there and tapping my toe and getting resentful that he, that he took off with my stuff, <laughs> um, I actually just rolled out my yoga mat and did some yoga. And, you know, for me, that was kind of a moment of reaching out to my higher power and just, getting out of my head because I knew if I stayed in that place, um, it, it wasn't going to be pretty, you know, I was probably going to say some things that I was going to regret saying. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to do that nowadays. So, um, I did kind of want to comment too on what Spencer was saying, um, about Anne, is it Anne Lamont? Lamont? Lamont. Um, someone had given me a book of hers that I'm still, um, still on my nightstand. I haven't picked it up yet, but the title is Help Thanks Wow. And it's 
basically her, she is implying that those are the three essential prayers that we need in, in daily life. And, um, as you had commented, Spencer, she seems to have a way of putting things so simply that you can't screw it up. (laughs) And for me, you know, when I, when I am frustrated or resentful and I don't want to sit down and, and pray or have a conversation with my higher power, that those three prayers are really simple to reach out for, you know, help is a way of asking for help without having to get super detailed and spill my guts to somebody if I'm not in the mood to do that. Um, you know, thanks obviously on the gratitude aspect and wow, you know, having appreciation for getting what I need, not necessarily what I want. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, I feel like I just spent the last week on the road for work traveling with my husband, which I haven't done in a long time. My husband is my qualifier. And, um, there were a lot of, of needing to ask for God's help moments during that travel because, um, you know, when you're spending eight hours a day confined in a car with someone, <laughs> the same person, um, you know, it, it can get a little tenuous. I can't think of any specific examples right now, but, um, but I do know that, you know, there were some, there were some tense moments that if left to my own devices without help from my higher power, um, I would have put myself in a position, um, you know, like I said before, where, where things just, they don't go down a good road. You know, <laughs> I, I need to be able to, um, to have that third party of my higher power there to kind of intervene between us to, <laughs> to prevent, to prevent any, uh, consequences. So how about you, Swetha? Um, yeah, for me, the third step definitely comes into play when I call people and I call people a lot. Um, when I first came to the program, I used to think if I, if I call someone, I'd be bothering them. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to call anybody, but I ended up doing it anyway. That was definitely a higher power thing. I don't think I, it's not in me to ask for help. I was not really raised to ask for help. And, um, and so now when I'm working on step three or doing, using step three in my life, I think the way I, I realize I need it is because I, um, nowadays I try to, uh, make my serenity a priority. And, um, when I feel I'm losing my serenity or I feel like, um, something is frustrating me or bothering me, um, I, uh, that's when I realized that something, something, something else is going on. I'm not really in contact with my higher power. I don't, I don't generally feel calm or at peace or feel good. And that's, I mean, that was something I had to learn because in the past, for me, being calm was putting on the appearance of being calm, even if there was chaos, uh, going on internally. Mm-hmm. No one mm-hmm. could know. Right. As opposed to accepting what's going on internally, realizing I need help, realizing that I'm losing my serenity and uh, reaching out for help, even if all that is, is, um, hey, I'm acting kind of crazy right now. How do you feel about maybe uh, going to a meeting with me or or even just, hey, I'm going to vent. Uh, how do you, would you, would you mind listening? Um, I know there have been a few times when I've like, uh, I, I more text my sponsor than call her. And sometimes I'll text like, a seven or eight page <laughs> essay on the phone. And then at the end of it, I'm like, Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. I'm good. Like I, I didn't need anything. I just needed to get that out in text format apparently. And I'm solid. I, I wish I could go back to the top of that and be like, you don't need to read this. I got this. But, uh, 
There it is, sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's that's how I use step three, is really just focusing on my serenity. I I used to think that um, when I... I forgot to mention this earlier, but one of my first impressions about step three was I thought it meant that I was apathetic towards life. Like turning my Mm. life and will over just meant I didn't care about my life and will anymore. Um, But now I realize it's not about being apathetic, which now I line up more with denial and not accepting reality. I realize now for me, step three is more about accepting um, reality and accepting what's going on and realizing my part in it, what what uh, I can change, what I can control, and then letting go of the rest of it and and it'll be okay. Whatever it is, it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked, there was a part in the reading that you read in the very beginning too. And they mentioned something about how you don't have to earn the love of your higher power. Hmm. And that concept I think was really important for me too, because you know, prior to the program growing up in my family of origin, you had to earn everything. You had to earn love, you had to earn respect, you had to earn privilege. I mean, everything had to be bought, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I I really liked that part in the reading, you know, the idea of knowing that even before I came to the program and didn't believe in higher power, my higher power was there for me. You know, that, uh, I don't have to do anything or jump through any hoops or anything like that in order to be loved. And mm-hmm. and that is, you know, a crucial piece for me is step three. Definitely. So yesterday, um, and my higher power intervened to get me there. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I was at a workshop called Loving Sober, um, which uh, is about a, a, a process uh, that... Uh, as he put it, couples of goodwill uh, can use to uh, deepen and improve their relationship. And so the, the backstory on that is, and, and why I say it, my higher power got me there, uh, my wife emailed me a couple months ago that this workshop was going to be happening and she'd like to do it with me. And as I've, as I've said when I talk to people about this, it's a really good thing she sent me an email because my first reaction was, <laughs> okay. So you were joyous? Is that uh, no. <laughs> no. There was this like, you know, tightening of the stomach and, <laughs> um, you know, the sort of panic reaction like, oh, no, I'm going to have to talk about myself to my <laughs> wife. This is hard. Oh, feelings. Uh, feelings. Yeah, we're going to have to deal with feelings. And we have to, you know, and I looked at the book that, that went with the workshop and it had these exercises where you like sit facing each other, like touching each other and look each other in the eyes and, and, and tell each other how they did good things and how you did bad things. And Oh my God. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it just was totally scary to me. And uh, which is, is really weird because I'll do that in a meeting. No problem. Mm -hmm. But the thought of sitting down face to face (laughs) with, you know, the most important person in my life and doing that was just panic. Uh, inducing. But like I said, luckily she sent an email, so I had some time to consult with my higher power about it before I responded. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what my higher power said? My higher power said, yeah, you have to do this. Not only do I have to do it, but that, that it would 
I would enjoy it probably, and it would be a good thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that that in the past, and this is part of my willingness to to turn out to my higher power is that that when I have taken that step in the past, the outcome has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody in in one of our meetings talks about the that her experience of things working out. Mm-hmm. She still worries. She still panics, but. You know, deep down, she knows that that everything has worked out for her. Maybe not exactly the way she wanted it to, but... And so, um, you know, my response was, oh, that sounds like a great thing to do. Mm. Uh, you know, and that was from the guidance of my higher power. I was able to make that <laughs> that correct response. Um, so anyway, so we're at this workshop, and um, one of the things that... that This is not, like, directly uh, the content of the workshop, but he talked about how we are all... Um, we're all part of God. Mm-hmm. We're all uh, expressions of God. And at the end of the day, he said, uh, your only job in your relationship is to see your partner as the expression of God that she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that to me is is an expression of step three. Mm-hmm. It's a different expression of step three. Uh, but... In turning my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, part of that is in seeing other people and and things in the world as expressions of my higher power. And when I'm able to do that, a lot of uh, my resentments, a lot of my anger uh, can fall away. Uh, And I can feel love. Uh, so I just I wanted to put that in there because that's not something I think we we think about a lot when we think about step three. Uh, we think about step three in terms of um, you know things we do, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it, it 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 for me it it at least is becoming you know about about seeing God in in the world about seeing God because you know my concept of God is that that God is in and of and around us, um, you know, God is not some separate being off in, you know, some other part of the universe or, you know, whatever, wherever heaven might be. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's not a word I use mm-hmm. in, in my, my vocabulary, um, because God is here. God is now, mm-hmm. um, I was listening to a, an interview, um, and this was one of these, this is one of these things where I was like, okay, so this thing's in my podcast feed. So I'm going to listen to it. But, you know, it's this Catholic priest, and he works with gang members in L.A. And, like, but I'll listen to it. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff that he said, if I, if I took the Jesus language out of it, mm-hmm. just fit so well, mm-hmm. fit so well with the way that I try to live now and the way, um, the way that, that I see God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And it was a really um, amazing experience. And again, that was one of those things where if I had just taken my will, I would have said, ah, pff, I'm not going to listen to this. I'll delete it out of the queue. Um, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess, I, you know, part of, part of taking step three for me also then, I guess, is being accepting of different expressions of spirituality, mm-hmm. um, expressions that... that 
if I just went by their surface, if I just went by um, the feelings, the emotions that I have uh, sort of built up around them um, over the years from you know my exposure to, to fanatics or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, that I would reject. And But that being accepting of other spiritual practices that maybe I... I don't follow. Mm-hmm. I can find the value in them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have, have Have you guys found anything similar? I I grew up in a in a Hindu um, household, and uh, I went to Catholic school, and um, most of my friends were Jewish. So, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I think growing up, I I really didn't like the concept of religion, and uh, but it was. So it surrounded me a lot. It was really hard to get away from it. And um, now that I think about it, now that I'm talking about it, it kind of occurs to me that this might have been, all, this part of it might have been a higher power moment for me is that I um, I realized I couldn't really run away from it. So I just started taking what I liked and left the rest. Mm. And when I did that, I realized that the things I was taking were similar in all of the things I was uh, exposed to. They were very similar ideas of... Um, that we talk about in the program. And once I came into the program, I saw a lot of those things in, uh, in, in Al-Anon. Um, and actually, uh, Spencer, I wanted to also mention, I really liked, okay, well, everything you said, I really liked, but, um, I kind of, while you were talking, uh, talking about, um, being vulnerable with your wife and seeing her as an expression of God, it, um, kind of reminded me of, um, and made me think of this, this idea that, um, before I came to Al-Anon, I had some really bad relationships. I mean, abusive friendships, abusive uh, parents, boyfriends, you name it. And, um, and I was pretty abusive to myself. And, um, and it was, it took me a while to start forming friendships in, in Al-Anon and, uh, start reaching out to people and then actually trusting in those friendships. Like, Hey, I, I need help and I'm going to call this person. And the first phone call I ever made to someone wasn't because I knew they were going to answer the phone and they were going to be nice. I mean, I was, I was ready and prepared for them to be like, Oh, it's you. I'm sorry. I'm busy now. Click goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> like that was my, that was what I anticipated. And so I went totally on faith and they picked up the phone and they were responsive and they were really kind. And that built a little bit of a relationship, but I was terrified to be vulnerable, but I slowly bit by bit started building a relationship with someone. And, um, it wasn't like I turned everything over and I told her my entire painful life story or anything. It's just a little bit, just, Hey, I'm having a tough day today. And, um, and I was vulnerable and I was scared and that's how, but, but then I, it, it, it went well. Like I trusted that person and it went well. And I think it's the same way with my higher power is that my, I was, I was scared to be vulnerable and scared to be vulnerable with myself, with other people, with my higher power, because I thought that just meant pain. And I slowly, bit by bit, started started building up a relationship. And as I was doing that, um, I started listening to more of the spiritual ideals that I kind of grew up with. And um, whether or not I consciously meant to, I kind of picked up as I went along. And uh, and it all kind of came together. It was like a just a moment of, or lots of moments of divine intervention that just at one point or other just kind of, kind of click in my head every so often. And it's... Um, 
we call it the aha moments, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> aha. <laughs> now it's all clear. <laughs> what about you, Kelly? I definitely agree. I mean, I don't think that I had, you know, we talk about a spiritual awakening in the steps and, you know, I didn't have any, uh, you know, major angels singing, mm. you know, heavens opening up sort of moment where suddenly I believed, you know, I, th- yeah. I think it was definitely a very gradual process of acceptance mm. and recognizing, um, you know, I, th- I think for me, the, the biggest factor was everything that I used to attribute to coincidence. Mm-hmm. I now can see as a potential higher power moment, mm. you know, things that my higher power is, is doing in my life or, or giving to me or, or whatnot. So it was definitely a gradual process. And, you know, early on in my life, I did have some exposure to religion. Um, I had my two best friends growing up. One of them was Jewish and the other was Protestant. And um, I did go to church with my one friend, a couple times, um, she participated in a lot of activities. And so I would, was more going to see her dance or, you know, do whatever she was doing in, in the service. But I had gone a couple of times and I, I don't know that I really felt one way or the other. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I think I was a little initially nervous that maybe I was going to get struck down by lightning as I walked <laughs> into the church. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel amazing about it, but I didn't hate it. But I think, Part of the problem was that, you know, at home, my family talked about religion in such a negative light Mm. that I felt like even if I liked it, it still wasn't okay to like it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't one of those things where I could say, hey, I know you guys don't really like this, but I had a good time with my friend. I'm going to go back next week. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't, was not really acceptable in a sense. And so uh, it just, it just went on the back burner and I, I sort of, played on that attitude that came from my family that, um, you know, that's for weak people. That's Mm -hmm. for people who don't have their life together or can't get control over things. And so, um, you know, like I said, in the beginning, it it was, for me, it was just a lot of that letting go of that control and really honestly being open to the idea that things that happen in my life, are not always coincidence, you know, mm-hmm. that, that maybe there is some sort of guiding force. Um, you know, and I, it was easier to see it in the moments when unexpected things happened or when things happened that I thought, and I know you can relate to this, when I thought, when I thought the bad thing was going to happen so I could say, I told you so. <laughs> and then it didn't, you know, then something good came out of it and it would surprise me mm-hmm. like, oh man, I didn't see that coming, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but it, it was, I think it was a, a long time collaboration of little moments that mm-hmm. really brought me to belief. Yeah. Um, we have a, an email from a friend um, and uh, one of us is going to read it. Um, this is from from our friend Anne, who uh, uh, grew up in a in a different or start came into the program with a, a, a different view of uh, God and a higher power at the beginning. Um, do you want to read it, Kelly? Yeah, Anne says, although it is in step two where we are asked to really find a higher power, it's step three where we actually have to trust that higher power with our lives. That's why I think so many of the readings in the literature surrounding step three begin with statements to those of us who didn't have an understanding of a higher power before the program. 
Still, there are many of us who did have an understanding of a higher power, and not just those of us who were raised with a vengeful, punishing God, but those of us who were raised with a loving God with whom we were asked to have a personal relationship from a young age. I was lucky enough to fall into that last category. Early in my life, I was told that God loved me, that God wanted me to be in my life, I'm sorry, that God wanted to be in my life if I would open my heart to him, and that God's rules for living were ultimately there to help me have a good life. All of this early training and my belief and my belief in it led me to believe that I could breeze over the third step as easily as I breezed over the literature aimed at people with no specific spiritual beliefs. It wasn't until my years later in the program when I brought issues to my sponsor and she without fail responded, that sounds like a third step problem to me. Did I realize how much further I had to go with a third step? That is when Al-Anon helped me to discover that two very important parts of turning my will and my life over to God were how and when. With the help of the Alcoholics Anonymous third step prayer, I learned how to turn over my life by simply getting out of God's way. That prayer states, Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Self-will does indeed bind us, ties us to our own small ideas, binds us to the immense possibilities, roots us in one spot, and doesn't allow us to grow into the person God knows we can be. I had heard a lot about turning my life over to God at religious summer camp. It was a big deal and seemed incredibly complicated. No one ever told me it was as simple as just getting out of God's way. At that same summer camp, I learned that if you gave your life to God once, you were saved. I assumed it meant I never had to give my life to God again. It was already done. Why then was I still in so much pain? My religious upbringing didn't stress the fact that we have the ability to take back our lives anytime we want. Thus, in order to find true peace and serenity, we're going to have to give it back to God each time. Church taught me to turn over my life as a single thing, as a giant entity with the weight of a boulder. Alanon taught me to break myself into pieces that I may better examine my joys and pains and then turn them over pebble by pebble. Mm. Working step three is challenging for all of us, no matter our background. But for me, by keeping an open mind and taking what I like and leaving the rest, Alanon has enhanced my religion, challenged me to better understand my own beliefs and strengthen my relationship with God. And we really thank you, Anne, for sending that. Uh, at a, it was sort of a last-minute request, and and thanks for coming through with that. Yes, um, thank you, Anne. I think it's uh, probably time to close. We have a, sure. a closing reading. Uh, today's uh, closing reading is, When I open my heart to a power that fills me with love and acceptance, I can begin to extend those qualities to others. I may not do it perfectly or even consistently, but I can recognize my progress one day at a time. And uh, the quote is by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and it says, God's gifts put man's best dreams to shame. Mm -hmm. After a short break, we'll be back with our lives in recovery, where we will talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Kelly, uh, what are we going to listen to? We are listening to Florence and the Machine singing a song called You've Got the Love. And in the song, uh, she says, sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the air. I know I can count on you. Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care, but you've got the love I need to see me through. Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the air. I know I can count on you. Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care. But you've got the love I need to see me through. Sometimes it seems the going is just too rough. Oh
In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. Kelly? Well, this week, as I mentioned, uh, I was on the road for work, was traveling, and, um, you know, both my husband and I are in recovery. We were traveling together, and so about Wednesday rolled around, and we both had gotten to the point where we needed a meeting. <laughs> so we got online and looked for meetings in the area, and... Um, I had a really great experience. I went to a meeting in Naperville, Illinois, and uh, my I, I actually shared this in the meeting, but my initial frustration when I got online, there was only one meeting that night, and when I looked at the listing, it said it was a step study, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the steps. I want to complain about my alcoholic and what a pain he's been all week, <laughs> which, you know, comes back to the point that that was probably my higher power working in my life, allowing me not to share about my complaints and instead suggesting that I focus on the steps. So, uh, the meeting was great. It was a small, um, it was a, a lead meeting. So there was a short lead of, it was about step five and there was maybe about, I don't know, 15 people there. And the, what I found really interesting that I shared with someone the other day is there were there was a lot of people there who were very new to recovery that they had shared that it was maybe their third or sixth meeting. And none of them were complaining either, which made me feel even worse about how <laughs> I had come into the meeting. But they all were speaking really... Um, heavily about the solution, which I found really interesting. Um, and so having already done a fifth step and having done a fifth step with some of my sponsees, I felt like, you know, it was appropriate for me to share, um, because there were so many new people there and the, the topic of sponsorship obviously came up. And so it was, it was a great meeting. I mean, it was a wonderful group of people. There were some amazing shares. It was a, a lot of insight and information that I needed to hear, uh, especially at that moment. So it was really great. Um, other than that, uh, I think that's about all I have for meetings this week. Okay. Thanks. Swetha? Oh, Swetha. Again. <laughs> uh, well, I went to uh, a Wednesday meeting. And, um, and a Friday meeting this week and, uh, and also Saturday's, uh, St. Joe's, um, I'm trying, which is the AA open talk, meeting. which is right the AA now. open talk meeting. Yes. Um, they let us into that one. <laughs> it's open. It's open. <laughs> there was this really great, uh, lead on Wednesday where uh, a woman was sharing about, uh, her, it was a 30 minute lead. And so the woman was sharing about her, her life and what brought her into, into Al-Anon. I've really liked a lot of the things she was saying, but one of the things that really spoke to me was she was mentioning that, um, that after she came into Al-Anon, after she'd been in Al-Anon for some years, that she was able to sort of provide for her younger self as her her child self that wasn't receiving the love she needed at the time she was now able to provide that for herself rather than seeking external validation or seeking that externally and um, that really really resonated with me I, I can't remember where I heard it but someone was telling me that as we um, as we grow up there are things in our lives that we find 
that we feel were unfulfilled love or needs that were unfulfilled at the time and and we just kind of and that that person that that uh that unfulfilled need kind of just stays there with us and so there's like you know, um, a 15 year old Swetha that didn't get, you know, what she needed at the time, kind of that I'm carrying around with me and, uh, a nine year old Swetha that really wanted that pony or something. I don't know, but that I'm carrying around with me all the time. And, um, that I came into recovery because I wasn't, I refused to look at those parts of me. And when I heard this woman share, I was like, oh, crap, higher power moment. <laughs> it's probably my higher power being like, Hey, you know, maybe you want to get on that. Um, I can't really, I, I think I came in late to the Friday meeting, but, uh, do you want to pick it up from here? Sure. Spencer? Sure. Yeah. Um, one of I, I remember looking around the room and, and the, our Wednesday night meeting or just for today meeting is a fairly large meeting. Mm-hmm. I think there were 60 or 70 people there this week and looking around the room and seeing a number of, of teary eyed faces. Mm. And I talked to one of my friends afterwards and said, uh, something, you know, like it looked like that. Some, something she was saying really struck you and, and my friend said it brought up a lot of stuff mm-hmm. it brought up a lot of stuff I think a lot of people identified with uh, um, what she was saying and uh, it was a very powerful lead and mm-hmm. and and I think it also was sort of a higher power that got her there mm-hmm. because she had been, been supposed to do the lead the week before and wasn't able to because mm-hmm. of the snowstorm and lack mm-hmm. of power and so on and and so Instead of doing a, a short 10-minute lead on a, on a topic, she ended up doing a 30-minute lead. <laughs> um, I think she was meant to be there. I really yeah, do. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't make it to the Friday meeting. I had a conflict. Um, I did reach out to uh, some Al-Anon friends to uh, give me a little support before the workshop on Saturday. Oh. Um, and, uh, um, and, and the workshop yesterday, I mean, that was... It was like nine thirty to four thirty or something. So there was a wow. real heavy dose of of program laden material there. Um, the uh, the presenter is is uh, he came into he said he came into AA in nineteen seventy nine. I don't know how many years that works out to, and he's also been in Al-Anon for fifteen years. Wow! wow. Um, and uh, and so a, a large portion of the audience was were, were AA people. It was sponsored by the Ann Arbor Women's Group, which is a a group for uh, women in recovery, in particular AA recovery in in the area, uh, and co-sponsored by the Alano Club. A- after or at the beginning of each session, he pulled questions out of an ask it basket, and and sometimes he would say, in response to a question, he would say, "Go to Alanon," <laughs> which I appreciated, you know, because here you had this guy who's, I mean, f- I guess fairly well known in the AA community. You know, he's spoken at national conferences and and so on, and uh, um, and and he's telling people, you know. Some of these things you're struggling with, they're Al-Anon issues, and you should just absolutely go to Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I liked that part. <laughs> uh, I'm still processing the whole day. Um, still, uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that I recognized that was happening in me, you know, as I was getting the little stomach clenching and everything, the fear reaction that, um, you know, he was talking about, um, uh, it's a, I don't know, there, there are 10, 10 sort of steps in this process that, that he lays out um, for building your better relationship. And it says it's a 12-week program, so I don't know exactly where the other two are, but I guess I have to go back and read the book. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he was getting into some of the later steps, and I was looking at that and saying, no effing way. 
sort of the same way when I looked at the 12 steps and said, <laughs> you know, no way am I going to admit to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. No way am I going to mm-hmm. make amends to everybody in my life who I, I've hurt in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I got to step five and when I got to step nine, I was ready mostly. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and I know from that experience that when I get to that step in this process, I will be ready to do it. I won't necessarily be comfortable doing it, mm. but I will be ready to do it. And that, you know, and again, that's step three right there. Um, trusting in my higher power that I will be ready when I need to be ready. Um, but it was, it was a very, uh, very recovery filled day yesterday. And, and then I'm here. The other thing I wanted to talk about, you know, last week we talked about shame. During the week, I, I had connections with a couple people in my life that really resonated with, with the topic. Uh, one, one young person is, was struggling with some shameful feelings about um, their behavior and, and reached out for help. And um, I felt like I was able to provide, uh, provide some support, having just talked about how we deal with shame, how we feel shame, what shame is for us. Uh, and, uh, and then um, another friend... You know, posted on Facebook a link to uh, a blog post about how um, she had been able to become vulnerable in her life and and connect with people and and go from being a very shy, withdrawn person into um, you know the confident young adult she is now. And I thought both of those really connected with with what we talked about last week. It was it was really neat. Um, so yeah, that that was my week. Excellent. And uh, so our topic next week will be asking for help. We welcome your thoughts. You can join us. Uh, you can join the conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about asking for help. And Spencer, how can people send us feedback? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail. The phone number is 734-707-8795. It's just put the podcast on pause <laughs> uh, and join the conversation at 734-707-8795. If you prefer not to use your voice or maybe you're outside the U.S. and that's not a convenient number for you to call, you can also send email to feedback at com. Uh, we try to respond uh, pretty quickly to all the emails we get, uh, just at least to let you know we got it and that <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Please share your experience, strength, and hope or your questions about today's topic of Step 3 or about next week's topic of asking for help. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. Kelly, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? They can go to our website, therecoveryshow.com, and there we have all the information about the show, including notes for each episode. We have a blog with daily meditations, uh, links to the music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of Alan Open Talk speakers. We also have a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. Another way to contribute to the content of the podcast and website is to leave comments on the show notes or on the blog. And you can do that by going over to therecoveryshow.com. And I just wanted to mention that we did have a submission after last week's topic of shame uh, by Hillary. It was um, a really intimate, honest uh, submission, but we did feel it was a little bit long to read on the air. So if you did want to um, hear about Hillary's experience, strength, and hope, you can see that at therecoveryshow.com. Right. And and the easy way to get to um, last week's episode, which was episode 13, you can go to therecoveryshow.com slash 13. Um, and it will take you right to the episode and, and you can read the comments there. We had an email from Jennifer who says, it's great what you guys are doing. It's so wonderful to have a meeting whenever I need one. Keep coming back. 
We also discovered a new podcast this week. Uh, it's uh, from the Al-Anon family groups. Uh, I guess it, it's officially sponsored or whatever. And it's called Using Al-Anon Steps in Our Personal Lives. And they're fairly short episodes. They've got three up there right now. The latest one is Using Step 3. And you can kind of probably guess what the previous two episodes are called. <laughs> um, and, uh, and basically, they've just got short shares from Al-Anon members about how they use the steps in their lives. Uh, and I've added a link uh, to this podcast on our website. Also, would like to uh, encourage people to go over to iTunes and uh, at least give us a star rating. Uh, we finally got enough ratings that it shows on the front page. Uh, <laughs> but what that will do, if you can go um, leave a review and a rating, that will help us to be more visible to people who are looking for uh, recovery. And uh, so it's it's really a 12-step activity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to close the show with a gospel song called Surrender to His Will. Uh, this is performed by the Reverend Maceo Woods and the Christian Tabernacle Concert Choir. I learned about this song this morning, okay? And so here's another higher power moment. Uh, I was, I'm reading a book called How Music Works by David Byrne. And in there, he talks about how uh, his friend Brian Eno uh, discovered American gospel music. Brian is uh, English, and so uh, he didn't he didn't grow up hearing that at all. And and the song that he heard first that introduced him to gospel music was this song. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I said, "Oh, well, that's the perfect song <laughs> about step three, surrendering <laughs> to His will." So, and uh, the chorus in part says, "The words don't mean a thing until you surrender to His will." Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems are, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, please feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.